All right, we'll just keep going. I don't know what that. I don't know what is happening. It's probably my psychic abilities. So hi everyone. Hi five listeners. Hello. Hi. hi. Again, well, although you don't know that. <laughs> welcome to perhaps it's you. Everybody's favorite unsolved mysteries rewatch podcast not my favorite podcast no it's my (laughs) least favorite podcast but we're here today re-recording the beginning of this episode Uh, and we're not happy about it because we're having a little technical difficulties you said the beginning we recorded like half an episode before we realized that we weren't actually recording anything we were just talking it has stopped recording or maybe never started. I'm really not sure. I think my screen is a little wonky. Oh, mine is still counting up. Mine is too. So I think we're good. We'll just keep an eye on that. Make sure it's really happening. Okay. <laughs> because otherwise this podcast is done. And we'll just call it quits right here. <laughs> and people are like, you're seven seasons in. How are you still having this issues? I don't know. But we the, are. The episode, lis- listeners, the episode that you didn't hear was great. It was hilarious. Actually, one of the best we've ever done. We were on a roll. And now it's completely derailed. Um, Wow. Wow. Okay. Let me see. I had one update. It's terrible to try to reenact these things because we're not actors. But our um, the one update I wanted to do was thank our new listener, John, for sending in a nice email telling us that he likes the show. And my comment was that I'm always surprised that men listen to the show <laughs> because we have not historically been nice to men. Well, I, that's true. You know, we we've, do... we've said they should all go to the moon um, and live there and leave <laughs> us alone here on Earth. <laughs> yeah, we've got it. Um... Which my assumption is that John is a new listener. Maybe he probably hasn't gotten to order and hasn't gotten to the episode where we strongly encourage all men to start a colony on the moon (laughs) to leave literally leave earth because we're sick of their shit there's just a you know there's a natural conflict when you're when you're attracted to your like primary predator you know it's like if a gazelle was really into lions or something (laughs) there's a bit of a, a friction there where you're like oh you are the biggest threat to me but also let's get married um, right. Which proves that your sexuality is not a choice, not in, a my, choice. in my opinion. Would, I wouldn't choose would, to be straight if I could. Who would choose such a thing? No one. No woman on earth. I'm telling you right now. But anyway, thanks for listening, John. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was saying one one reason I'm surprised. You know, to, yeah, I'm sexist. That's one reason. But another reason why I'm surprised men listen to the show is because I'm constantly told that men hate not just what women have to say. I mean, obviously, everyone hates that, but just like the literal sound of our voice. Our voices. We've, we've been told. We've been told that our the sound of our voices is makes, killing at least one person. That it makes people want to die. Yeah. Stuff the cackling like that. has to stop. Very infamous oh. at this point. Which maybe isn't about the sound of our voice, just how we laugh. It's not that laugh. It's connected. I mean, I can't change Um, how I laugh, so. And to what my response is that even after I am dead, recordings of this show will remain, and my cackle will literally never die. (laughs) 
you cannot rid the universe of my cackle. I will never, ever end. But <laughs> the thing that I wanted to complain about that this reminded me of, which was a little bit w- a while ago, but we haven't recorded in a second, was this tweet from Jane Lynch, which I read to Samantha and I'm going to read to you now. I love women. It's a great start. Great start. I am a woman. Definitely is not going to be followed by something disparaging about women. No. Absolutely. Oh, wait. Whoa. A twist. A twist. Our voices are higher than men's voices. This is a generalization, but yeah, okay. Sure. Generally true. Women's voices can get into the annoying area if it gets too high. The annoying area. That's like a specific zone on a graph. (laughs) Scientific. The annoying annoying area. If you are doing a podcast, consider lowering your pitch a tad. If you think I'm being sexist about this, then I don't know what to do with you. I'm just going to talk like this (laughs) for the the rest of our recording. I'm going to sound like Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos. (laughs) This is how I talk now. I assume no one's annoyed by this. I'm sure it sounds very nice. I'm sure this isn't annoying. Artificially low voice. I wonder if anyone tells Ira Glass to lower his voice or to fix his vocal fry. For some reason, I feel like it's no. How How weird would it be if we were talking not in our natural voices? It seems very disingenuous and odd. And and I don't think I could physically do it. (laughs) Well, there was all these people in the thread saying like, Yes, podcasts have shown me that every everyone that that uses their voice professionally needs a vocal coach, which is how uh, could we afford that? <laughs> Assuming a lot more money and effort. I'm, I'm in my <laughs> kitchen right now. I can't pay a, a vocal, vocal coach. coach to help me lower my voice. Yes, Samantha, it is the only way to professionalism. Also, I assume we'll be in the top 10 <laughs> podcast as soon as we start talking like this. It's the only thing holding us back. What if that was true? <laughs> we, were, we recorded a whole podcast where we talked like that and people were We're like, just number one the next I day. I can't get enough. They're better than Joe Rogan. I hope they tell me to buy some sort of snake oil. I'll buy it immediately. That's why we're here to tell you about protein powder. <laughs> Do you need some gas station dick pills? We got just what you need. My lower voice just went right to Eeyore. (laughs) (laughs) If Eeyore was selling you dick pills and protein powder, this is what it would sound like. Okay, that's probably like going to happen next year. But the things have gotten so weird that there probably will be a collab between some sort of some sort of cheap herbal Viagra and the Winnie Pooh fridge. <laughs> Why is he not wearing pants? Think about it. Actually, I think Winnie the Pooh, not the Disney version, is now in the public domain. So there's actually no reason. Actually, why this I- might happen. There's no reason why it's gonna exist. <laughs> oh no! Don't give them ideas. Oh darn! This is what happens when we have to re-record this bit. <laughs> Suddenly, we're talking about Winnie the Pooh selling dick pills. You're welcome. At least we're keeping it fresh for ourselves, <laughs> since no one will hear the original version that didn't include that tangent. You're welcome. <laughs> You're so welcome. That was more just about 
over policing women's voices. Blah blah blah. Who cares? It was a little more academic. I had some good takes. Can't remember them now. I'm just gonna talk like this. <laughs> Please do. Please do. I can't believe Cameo hasn't approached us <laughs> to offer personalized videos of us talking. I could use my fake rich person voice. Oh, you, people you, might actually want that. You can talk like that for $10. We'll wish you a happy birthday. Oh, my. It's your birthday again. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> I also love the idea of ending an incredibly sexist tweet with, if you think this is sexist, I don't know what to do with you. Like, how is saying oh, well. the sound of how women talk not sexist? <laughs> Seems like the definition of sexism. Like, all genders are equal, except for the way women talk. <laughs> that fucking sucks. <laughs> I also just like the idea that everyone should cater to her like personal likes and like someone was someone was like typical rich person, right? Like everybody has to cater to your personal preferences. <laughs> like I prefer lower voices, therefore. Like, well, we have to record our podcast the way Jane Lynch wants us to right. do it. <laughs> right. It's like use your glee money, have people make you your own fucking personalized podcast. I don't care. <laughs> has nothing to do with me or what I'm doing. I don't get a demand that everybody talk with vocal fry just because I like it. Th that would sound completely bonkers. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, I was filled with murderous rage the night that that happened, but that was a while ago. So we can move on with our terrible, terrible voices to tell you about the next episode of Unsolved Mysteries, which is season seven, episode Lucky 13. Lucky number 13, all about psychic phenomenon. It's so psychic. This is, what was this called? Mysteries of the Psychic Mind is this episode. And you get a special um, title card for that. And um, <laughs> Samantha has a lot of thoughts about this first segment. <laughs> and it's validity. So let's try to breathe Shocking, that. I'm sure. <laughs> let's try to breeze through that because um, we've already done it once. <laughs> Look, and is this just a woman with an anger problem? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. That's all you need to know. Um, it's possible nothing psychic is going on here. Except unless like I'm psychic, and that's why the recording thing didn't work today, and is why my oven door broke that one time, if anybody remembers that. Yes. Er this this is psych what is it? Telekinesis? This is is that what this psychokinesis. Is? Psych sorry, psych what's telekinesis? That might is be that reading people's minds. Okay, psychokinesis at any rate. This is moving things with your mind. Or if you're just mad at your kids all the time. <laughs> or it might, be, shit with it your might brain. be that you have an anger problem, but you're a woman and people are like, mm, it must be that she's psychic. Because I feel like if a man was doing these things, actually people would be much more alarmed. <laughs> they would call somebody yeah but robert stack tells us perhaps the most dramatic oh no wait i got it perhaps the most dramatic <laughs> mystery of the human mind is a phenomenon known as psychokinesis the ability to affect objects without so much as a touch wow has robert stack come to life <laughs> that was recording? the worst robert stack impression anyone has ever done <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. So um, we get a brief flashback to Don Decker, who is one of our favorite Unsolved oh, yes. Mysteries characters, who was that dude that could make it rain inside for some reason. And you or like, did a pipe burst in his <laughs> shitty apartment? Who's or, to say? Or there was a problem with the roof. But, or he or made it inconveniently. <laughs> he inconveniently got all everyone's furniture all wet. One or the other. But we're actually, this segment is about Janine Price of Long Beach, California, who has endured a series of, quote, baffling psychic episodes that straight back to, stretch back to her childhood. Um, objects spark and explode around her, and she claims to also have the ability to read minds and predict the future. Uh, we see absolutely no examples of her reading minds. If that's something she could do, she kept that to herself. I think it's so funny, the concept of reading minds. I feel like people don't claim to read minds. And I am I think that's because then you could, eas- you could easily be like, well, what am I thinking right now? Yeah. It's so easily disproven that, yeah, of course she doesn't have an example of reading minds. It's never happened. Okay, she can't do it. Okay, Samantha, what am I thinking right now? You wish you had some polar water. Oh my god, you're so right. But I was also thinking of that WB dancing frog. <laughs> And that Did I, I forgot to mention that one. yeah but it was both it was both though. it was both it was both. okay um so this began around the age of 10 when she was consumed by the thought that she had a sister she had never met um i'm not sure when she had this thought if it was before she found the picture of a young girl that looked exactly like her <laughs> or if she was like bored that her mom was super cagey about yeah because i think i would have been suspicious about that too or if she just always felt this longing that Surely there was someone out there that she could relate to that that would yeah. get where she was coming from, you know? I'm not an only child, but I, I there was a period of my life when I didn't have a sister, and I'm certain that I wanted one. I mean, it's just I like a, a thing, did. right? Yeah. Like, you want you want a sister you to play with and to dress up with and, and whatever. I mean, it has to have been a thought that she had. It just, it just turned 10. out that it was true. Yeah. So um, like most children on Unsolved Mysteries, she went through her parents' private papers without their permission. <laughs> um, look, look, the 80s was real boring. I don't know what to tell you. Sometimes you were just in a house. There was nothing on TV. You know, there's they were just on talking on the radio. They weren't playing music. And you're like. They didn't have a Game Boy or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you're just like, you're seriously just like, I've bounced this ball as many times as I can. And you're just looking around. <laughs> what am I going to do with my day? So she ended up finding an old photo album, which had a picture of a young girl who, yes, did look a lot like her. Her mom tried to claim that this was nobody, which is incredibly creepy. (laughs) Also, immediately, I'm sure, if you're kind of like an astute child, you're like, why are you being so weird about this? Also, this child is not three or four. This child is (laughs) ten. I think maybe you could tell a four-year-old, oh, that's nobody, and put it away, and they would just go, okay. But this is a ten-year-old who just found a picture of a girl who looks a lot like her. And I don't know that you could go, um... Why, that's nothing. Don't look over here, Janine. I think, you know, she kind of figured it out. She's not that stupid. So um, her mother was forced to admit that this was actually her half-sister, Judy, from her father's previous marriage. Why her father had no contact with Judy. Why they didn't just tell Janine the truth from the first place. Why her mom was so weird about it. (laughs) 
so many of these unsolved mysteries, like particularly the laugh love segments, just come down to like, man, these people should not have lied. Like people's lives would have been a lot simpler. Yeah. I think they were trying to like shield them from scandal or like things that would make the family look bad, but just tell them to keep it a secret if you're really <laughs> that worried about it. Like, yeah. It's it's just so hard on the kids to constantly be lying to them it's not a good policy <laughs> um but of course at this moment janine had a weird premonition and she told her mother apparently in a flat toned voice like a child in a horror movie <laughs> that one day i'll meet judy and soon after that she will die she is cold as ice telling her mom about this where it's like mom I hate to break this to you, but uh, Judy's dead as soon as I meet her. What? Judy's, Judy's not long for this world. Anyway, I'm going to go outside and play jump rope. Um, she also supposedly said that it would be something about Judy's head. I'm kind of, I feel like the mom might be revising history a little bit. That seems very specific, but uh, yeah, apparently she was just like, oh, that's my, also, her mom was just fucking with her, right? Her mom was just like, oh, that's nobody. And when she finally admits who it is, Janine goes, oh yeah, she's going to die. Like, <laughs> I don't know if that's psychic so much as you're like, thanks for telling me the truth all these years, mom. Like, maybe that's what's kind of her giving her mom the finger. I don't know. That's just, that's just one theory. She did end up meeting Judy in April of 1980. She was brought over by her brother, Andrew. And I was kind of like, if you think you're going to meet this woman and she's going to suddenly die, um, maybe don't meet her. It's a little, it does seem a little selfish to then go ahead and have this reunion. Are you, you signing truly her? truly think that you are going to be the harbinger of her death. You're signing her death warrant and not telling her. You're not no. going, an anvil might fall out of the sky. Be sure to, like, watch out for yeah, manholes and shit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she met she met Judy. The two sisters bonded quickly. Naturally, Janine did not mention this premonition because that would have been creepy. Um, but within a year, Judy was in the hospital for treatment for severe migraines. The doctors told her there was nothing more serious than that. However, Janine deep down knew that there was something wrong. And she actually tried to get the doctors to take x-rays and brain scans of Judy's head. But as she got more persistent, they had security escort her out of the hospital, which is really fucking rude. It is. And I do feel like this is a tale as well as time because she's insisting that her sister has a brain aneurysm. And the doctors tell her, what, what do you know? You're not a doctor. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like this is just flash. Like the only thing missing here is Google, right? <laughs> like this is a doctor being like, well, Dr. Google isn't, uh, <laughs> didn't go to medical school. Like, you know what I mean? But also she could have not a premonition, but just like look around and go, wow, these doctors are not taking very good care of my sister. Like, absolutely. why haven't they done more tests? Why don't they seem that invested in her care? Like, it doesn't actually require like psychic abilities to be like, I think you should be doing more. Seems like they're dismissive of yeah. this. Well, anyway, of course, it turns out we wouldn't be talking about it if she wasn't, that Janine was right. Um, shortly after Janine had was removed from the hospital on August 8th, 1980, Judy passed away. Um, her brother Andrew recalls her telling the family that the hospital wasn't doing enough for Judy. I, I think that's a very common way families feel because people are are really rushed in their medical care nurses are overworked right like places right. are well, and in this full. case it is true because yeah, it's literally they, true. they sent her home without having done any scans whatsoever said you just have migraines and turns out she had a brain aneurysm and yeah died. um yeah 
Janine turned out to be correct. So in September of 1994, Janine sought out Dr. Michael Persinger, a fraud. I mean, one of the world's foremost experts in psychic <laughs> Originally, when we recorded this, we talked about how we try to keep an open mind, but the, it seems like the segments in this episode are very fake. So um, I'm not saying there's never psychic phenomena, but I'm not really seeing a lot of evidence of it here. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Dr. Michael Persinger tells us that in studying brains of people with quote verified instances of precognition, which I'd love to know more about that, he has found that their brains are organized in a way that make connections between events most people cannot. Okay, what you missed out, dear listeners, from our recording they didn't record is Liz and I's brains breaking <laughs> over the concept of your brain being organized in such a way that you can like you can see the future i mean there's a there's a time yeah somehow space like there's a there's time and space and i don't understand how like the physical makeup of your brain could could result somehow in the- you being able to 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 transcend it I don't know. I, I can't I can't understand it. Clearly my brain is not organized in such yeah, a way. Yeah. I mean, I there is a claim here I think that somehow the by physically looking at the brain, you would be able to tell whether people have this ability. And I sort of feel like every instance of that has been debunked. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like they used to be like we can look at a brain and know that he's a killer based on this and it just turns out that like none of that shit is true. Um I don't how would the way understand. my brain is structured allow me to see through time? Like, why would that affect <laughs> the physics? But the other thing is that we're talking about this woman. She has multiple phenomena on her claiming. She claims to have multiple abilities. One is to see the future, and the other is psychokinesis. So those are very, like, psychokinesis has nothing to do with seeing through time. You're physically moving objects in this realm. And I don't understand, like, is that, is does the same brain chemistry result in that ability? Like, certainly some people can see the future and not do telekinesis and then the other way around. So is there a different brain chemistry? Does she have both? Like, I need him to explain. I would have really, this seems like an instance where if there really is this different physical structures to the brain, you could fucking show us a diagram of that. Or, like, a brain scan. Or Strikingly absent from this episode is a brain scan of her, this person, for example. Where you would, like, point to something and you would see, be like, oh, well, here in the hypothalamus, we can see blood. No, there's nothing like that. There's This is not supported in any way, even in a way that we would go, well, that doesn't seem true. Um, they don't even try to back it up. Uh, but he believes that psychic events result from brief bursts of unusual high electricity within the brain, similar to epileptic seizures. I don't see why that the brain having increased activity would allow me to see through time. I don't understand. Is he just talking about getting high? Because that's not really seeing through time. (laughs) Even if you feel like you are. It's it's not real. You know? I don't know. Um, Okay, okay. Uh, Unsolved Mysteries then uses the example of a television receiver, which is both outdated and not very helpful. But what they say is that um, while a standard TV could be rewired to receive channels that are not on the dial, and that's essentially what a psychic brain is like opposed to a normal brain, 
Except that it used to be when you plugged a TV in, it would search for your local channels because they're not the channels weren't the same everywhere. It's not like they come from the factory that way. So yeah. I, I don't think it's a very good analogy. It's bad. Um, and I also why would you the space in between channels isn't that just static? Isn't is that what psychic brain is? <laughs> I don't I I don't really follow. Okay. Uh during seizure conditions, the brain can similarly can be similarly reorganized. I don't know why that's so hard to say, and enhanced, possibly producing psychic capabilities when the brain is less confined by time and space. If you can follow that, dear listener, let me know because I'm at a loss. The brain is less confined by time and space? Okay. Well, we're just going to move right on. Um, 30 to 40 people from... Which... How does he not know, by the way? 30 to 40 people from Dr. Persinger's studies with similar profiles to Janine report also having the ability to move objects from a distance. 30 to 40? How many is it, Michael? That's not that many. Just count them. (laughs) 30 to 40? It's somewhere in there. And I don't know what similar profiles to Janine means. Their brains are organized in the same weird way. I guess. Show me the scan. They're also pretentious snobs. Is that what that means? They also sit back in their chair with squinty eyes. Trying to look smart. That means they have, that's their seeing into the future. That's their powers. Yeah. It's like, you can't see me right now, but I'm squinting my eyes. I I mean, I love that show Psych, and I couldn't stop thinking about this the whole time because it's about pretending to be psychic. But he would, he would like always like rub his temples when he was like supposedly getting a psychic vision. And I, I kept waiting for her to do that. Like I felt like it was almost on that level of theatricality where she would be like, "Oh, incoming!" You know, oh, like, oh my god, I'm so annoyed by this woman. <laughs> I'm so annoyed by her. It's very her. annoying. You love her. Okay. Examples of being able to move things with your mind included light bulbs exploding, radios failing, and glass breaking. I'm not super impressed by any of those things. Those are just things that happen. Um, I mean, particularly, you know, light bulbs used to be worse. Radios used to fail. Like, ah! It's not extraordinary. It's not raining from the ceiling. You know, it's not rain falling inside. It's not... It's not the the microwave levitated off the counter and floated across the room. It's just like normal breaking. Yeah. Things breaking. I don't if know. I mean, shit breaks all the mind. time. If she can move stuff with her mind, like pick something up. Just quit quit breaking shit, Janine. That's not helpful. Nobody wants that. Um, <laughs> Particularly not the kids who are terrified of you because you're only ever doing this when you're mad at them. Which oh seems like all the time. Yeah. Janine says this aspect didn't develop when she was a child, but in adulthood, unlike her premonitions. For instance, she was once holding a coffee pot while mad at her kids, and it exploded. And I really wrote down, um, that happens. Um, It does happen! I mean, okay, so this, we talked about this with Paranormal Home Inspectors. Uh, Our our friend Brian, friend of the show, hero of the (laughs) podcast, Brian, would check this one off his list because... Glass develops little, I mean, we saw this with the fishbowl. It develops little cracks, and especially, particularly with a coffee pot that is probably shitty to begin with. You got it at Kmart or whatever. He- you're heating <laughs> it up every day, yeah, and Mr. it expands and contracts, and then eventually when you're waving it at your kids while you're yelling at them, it's going to shatter. I mean, 
you know, in the reenactment, it's full of hot coffee. We're talking about something that on a regular basis is going from room temperature to boiling hot over and over and over again. Yeah, it's, it's made by Mr. Coffee. I don't know that he is the, the <laughs> pinnacle of quality control. And you're also waving it around full of hot coffee, screaming at your children. <laughs> Those things break. I don't know. When I was a ma office manager, I bought one of those two or three times. They just, they break. They, they just break. We broke one not that long ago. We had to buy a new one, which of I, course, and then, yeah, they don't sell them separately. So you have to buy a whole nother coffee pot. It's a huge pain in the ass. Yeah, it's probably it's, best to just not wave coffee pots full of hot coffee at your kids when you're yelling at them. Don't my advice. Please, it's my, please. look, I, look, I know people hate when child free people give parenting advice, but I'm, given some parenting advice here don't wave hot pots of coffee at your kids when you scream at them it's dangerous i mean i also don't have children but it sounds pretty solid to me um after this janine all removed all the glassware from her home because if she touched it while she was upset it would break and i we do kind of wonder why she was mad so often and why she's breaking so much glassware i i, I feel like if you wash dishes by hand you do break more glasses than if you put them in the dishwasher sure but that only gets you so far. <laughs> that no, only explains I... so many broken glasses. I I feel like I have broken a bunch of glasses and then gone like, well, Liz, you do get the shitty glasses that like Pizza Hut used to have that have Care Bears on them. Like those are the drinking glasses I use. And then I'm like, why do these break so often? I, Liz, I wonder why. <laughs> oh, it's because of my psychic powers. It probably is your psychic power. It's not because I'm using a glass that was meant to be like a free giveaway 30 years ago. And then I like put it down on the table too hard. That can't be why. Anyway, now we're going to meet a character named Dr. William Roll. I named his mustache the fraud because I do not believe his accent is real. <laughs> Speaking of talking in your real voice, a thing I think everyone should do and it would be weird not to. I don't think that Dr. William Roll is talking in his natural speaking voice. I think he's trying to sound a little more academic, a little smarter, like possibly he studied in Europe or something. Despite the fact that he's an expert in psychic abilities, I guess. What's funny is that he's not the only one with a fake accent because the actress that plays this woman in the reenactments is doing a very strange accent for a woman that does not have an accent in real life. I'm not I even sure what she's trying to sound like, but it's extremely strange. If bad acting has an accent, which I almost feel like it does, that's what she's... It's like a very dinner theater, like, over-enunciated, like, I am going to the kitchen now, like... And she does it, so she has this scene where she's upset at the doctor, because her sister, you know, they're not listening to her about her sister, and so it, she's doing this, like, exaggerated like upset acting while she's doing this fake accent it's so strange and very bad and she's wearing like a hippie prairie dress yes that's also true which i think just made her seem a little bit more like a loon i don't know <laughs> but i do not believe in dr william roll's voice and that's why i called it the fraud mac happened to be walking through the room at that time and he named the mustache the fuss dribble but no, I don't like dribble. I think that's uh <laughs> it's like moist. I think it's just that's just one of those words that I'm not a fan of. I mean it, it is evocative in a way that the fraud is not, but I also never want to hear it again. <laughs> well, Dr. William Roll is here to tell us that he sees these things happen to psychics during times of stress all the time. 
And that's a way of the brain releasing stress, which I feel like is really shitty because having a broken coffee pot is not going to make me less stressed out. It was just going to add to your stress, really. Now I need to get a new coffee pot. Thanks for nothing, brain. Um, So Janine, for example, had a rush of psychokinetic activities during her divorce while she was raising two children by herself, which was obviously very stressful. One example we have is that she, when she got off the phone with her ex, photographs started flying off the wall. I don't know. I'm not impressed. And then another time, she's walking to her car with her son, and I think her son's friend, and her son asks for his lunch money, which seems like a perfectly reasonable request, but for some reason makes her really mad. (laughs) And then a lightning bolt shoots from her car keys to her car. Uh And I think we just call that static electricity. I mean, okay, so the reenactment is quite dramatic. I don't know if that's actually what it looked like, or if she was just a few inches from the car and a little spark jumped. But yeah, you static electricity on your car is a common thing. I don't know. Especially, I don't know, maybe she's shuffling her feet a lot because she's pissed off at her kid for asking a question. I used to go to the Sam's Club that had the worst static electricity. I don't know why, but something about rolling your cart in that particular store, you would always get zapped and you could see the spark sometimes. And it was so painful. I mean, I mean, obviously you need to get those deals on ice cream sandwiches or whatever. So I mean, then it's worth it. Fortunately, they've stopped making their floors out of balloons. (laughs) I don't know why. There's only that one. And I don't know why, but I, yeah, honestly, super painful. Just thinking about it is upsetting me. But um, (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what happened with this car. Samantha would like to remind you that you should not get back in your car while you're gassing it up in the winter because there could be static electricity and your car could explode or something. Yeah, PSA. Don't do that, okay? I didn't know that. You just stand out there and freeze your ass off. That's what I'm doing anyway. Negative 10 degrees and you're pumping gas just freezing because you're afraid to blow up the gas station (laughs) that's me i think it is a war crime perhaps that they play those ads on the pumps now and they're so loud chatter news while you have to stand out there in the freezing cold i think that should be illegal it is i don't want to watch tv while i'm no please pumping my gas a (laughs) couple seconds to myself it'll be okay Oh, okay. But we're talking about Janine and how she gets really mad at her problems. (laughs) She gets really mad at her children all the time. Janine's kids want to talk about how she's not like a normal mom when normal moms get upset, which is upsetting. Yeah, this kid seems honestly scared of his mom and it's a little concerning. It's Maybe that sounds great to you if you're a parent and you wish your kids were more scared of you, but I'm going (laughs) to guess. Listen more. I'm going to guess this guy doesn't call his mom a lot now that he's a grown adult. I, it, it doesn't seem the healthiest to me that he is a little bit worried his mom could like get too mad and accidentally make his head explode or something. That she, quote, does all kinds of weird stuff. <laughs> oh, okay. look, I hope he's found therapy. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, Oh, we get two more examples. One is that her she asked her son to heat up a baby bottle for her, but since he was a little old child, he accidentally put it in the microwave for only one second instead of ten seconds. <laughs> also, I think this was the type of microwave with the, the dial, not where you typed it in. So it was actually really like particularly for those no- low numbers, it was really easy to put in the wrong thing. But anyway. also, he's like 
six years old. He's like a kid. A child. But anyway, she was very mad that he didn't put the baby bottle in for long enough and had already walked away. Life is too short to get this mad at your kids for something so inconsequential. Yeah, he's not even like being insubordinate. This is a total legitimate accident. He's not like sassing her. She says he He did what she asked. He just did it wrong because he's eight. And then she exploded the microwave with her mind, apparently. (laughs) As a result. Which I feel like Ginny and overkill. Also, now you have to get a new microwave. Hope you're happy. But they like called a microwave repair guy and he was like, I don't know what could have made this happen. I was like, I don't know, bad wiring. The fact that it's the 80s. She slammed the door because she was pissed at her kid. I mean, has anyone just looked at the wiring at this woman's house? Maybe it's bad. We need Brian on the job. Check that one off the list. I feel like Brian could have debunked a lot of these. The last one is this example. Her mom tells that she was ironing her kid's clothes and was for some reason pissed about that, but the (laughs) iron wasn't even plugged in. Angrily ironing. Just very funny. That's a good way to burn yourself, I think. But so you don't need to iron your kids' clothes. What? Is this for a funeral? I can't think of any other time you would bother to do a wedding? Uh, I don't know. I'm mad about it though. I'm making it very clear I'm in the Midwest. I'm like, put your kid in a t-shirt. I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, why would you iron clothing a child? My own clothes, let alone. They're just going to run around outside, get it dirty. Have you ever heard of the thing called downy wrinkle releaser? Maybe spray it with that. <laughs> um, I, I I guess it would be handy to be able to iron clothes without plugging an iron in. I, I kind of think she was just... Kind of a fun party trick, but she seems mad about it. So She seems real pissed, I think. Uh, look, I hope she's in a better place now. That is the end of this segment. And also now we are back to what we haven't recorded oh, good. Yet, So <laughs> thank Christ for that. We finally can go over something we don't have to do twice. Yeah. So it's your turn, Samantha. All right. We're talking about a premonition of murder. Oh! This case oh, sorry. is actually... Sorry. That was too high. That was too high. Let me try again. Our listeners are annoyed and are going to unsubscribe, Liz. Oh! That's <laughs> still pretty high. I, you got to go deeper. Oh. I, yeah. Can you, make a, <laughs> can you make a low pitch surprise noise? I don't even know what that is. Oh. 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 Now it's like I sound like Hank people Hill. Are gonna, people are cool. going to go on Repod and isolate this audio. And it's going to be so weird. <laughs> I hope Ooh. they do. Ooh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So this is honestly, this, okay. So this case I actually found fascinating because in my mind, when I think about psychics that help law enforcement, I always wonder about this exact scenario. And here we have mm. it. So. Mm. Okay, so on December 17th, 1980, Etta Smith was working at an aerospace company in Burbank, California, when a news story triggered a frightening vision. 31-year-old nurse Melanie Uribe hadn't been seen for days, and investigators feared the worst. Etta says that her unusual episode began when she started hearing a voice in her head. Yeah, that would be unusual. Yeah, it's not clear to me. Like, I don't know, like... I don't remember. Was, was that a previously a psychic or was this unusual for her? No, I'm not sure that that was made clear. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I don't remember. I don't know either way. Um, so anyway, so this is what she said happened. She had a mental thought as if someone was speaking to her. The thought said she's not in a house. After that thought registered, she saw a picture of a canyon area. She saw a road that was curved and it was a dirt path. 
she saw like very specific shrubbery um and then there was like a white form through the shrubs she said she could not clearly see what it was but that it was definitely white in color and she thought well if i'm experiencing if what I'm experiencing is the possibility of where this person could be, maybe the white I see is her nurse's uniform um, because, like I said, she was a nurse. Hmm. So she felt, so after she had this vision, um, she thought that, that it was a powerful vision and it was so powerful, in fact, that she felt compelled to report it to the police, which was her mistake. Um, <laughs> yeah, this segment is going to teach you not to do that. Yeah, so she said, I couldn't let it go. I kept wondering if this person needed help, if her life depended on me. She said that she would feel have felt wrong to have not done something about it. So retired Los Angeles police detective Lee Ryan, who I don't know why he agreed to be on the show because he does not come out looking great, um, says uh, he initially thought she had a lot of credibility based on the fact that she came in on her own. She indicated uh, um, that her conscience was bothering her. uh, And he said it triggered a, a response in him that possibly her conscience was bothering her because maybe she knows more than she's telling them. I i.e. maybe she was in fact involved i think this makes perfect sense is that he's like we'll just play along until we figure out what's going on so that she's coming in bringing oh i had this psychic vision and he's going okay tell us more and i that seems like an appropriate way to handle this like they don't have any leads right like why not find out if this woman does know something and then yeah maybe she was involved and she feels guilty I would I okay I will say that I don't think I would I would prefer the police immediately be on board with someone who walks in off the street and said they had a psychic vision I think approaching it with skepticism like hmm, why do you know so much about this is probably right. what you want the police to do um so you know and I, I mean the fact that she didn't consider <laughs> before walking into the police department that maybe they'll think I was the murderer, but it seems like she's just a genuinely good person and it was weighing on her conscience. And she thought, Hey, this person could be alive, lost in the woods and I could help her. Um, so anyway, yeah. So like you said, they were basically like, well, we're going to play along and see like what she has to say about this. So based on her psychic vision, Etta pinpointed the area in Los Angeles County where she thought the missing nurse might be found. It was a place called Lopez Canyon. So she thought that Detective Ryan seemed willing to listen, um, but she did worry that the police would not follow up. And so she decided to investigate on her own. Mistake. Do one yeah, or the other. This was Do her one se- or the other. This was maybe her second mistake. Uh, with her daughter, Tina, Etta drove to Lopez Canyon. They stepped out of the car and she experienced an intense feeling of dread. She was sure that Melanie had been there and that something horrible had happened to her. She says that she felt trauma. She like felt the energy on the ground. It was tingly. She had like what she describes as an, an adrenaline rush. Um, so there's that. The feelings forced Etta to keep searching and soon she spotted some fresh tire tracks. Um she touched the tire tracks for some reason i don't know it gave her a feeling she felt this overwhelming need to touch the tire tracks and i was like who doesn't feel that Uh, yeah i i don't look i don't i'm not a psychic my brain is not apparently organized in that way uh so i don't know what the process is but for her it seems like she needed to like touch them um so she yes. got the feeling from touching the tracks that the missing woman had been there so they got back in the van um she said she, like they didn't really have anything else to go off of but they didn't want to leave because she just felt like she's here somewhere 
So further down the canyon, Etta stopped again when Tina saw something unusual in the brush. Uh, this was unfortunately her body. Um, she says, the only thing I could truly distinguish and know what it was is that she had nice white nurse's shoes. Mm-hmm. So Etta quickly contacted the police. And honestly, this doesn't look great, right? Like she walked into the police station, this complete stranger. She has no connection to this woman whatsoever. She just saw a news bulletin she walks into the police tells them i know where she is and then without waiting for the police to go look there she goes there herself and finds the body like this does not look great for etta i must say Um, no that's why i'm saying you have to do one or the other that she would be better off investigating this herself and then telling the police and being like i found a body or telling the police you should look here you don't want to be the person that tells the police look here and then is at that site also no it looks bad it looks yeah. bad Anna. it looks really bad now you're like just leaving your dna where you told told the police to look for a body i don't it's, know yeah it's not great so an autopsy determined that the body was indeed melanie Uribe. she had been robbed raped and beaten to death Ugh. That evening, Etta was summoned to the police station. She was questioned by two detectives. Um, this was not; these were not the same detectives. Um, this wasn't what was it, Detective Ryan? I don't remember. Um, they wanted her to explain how the thing had unfolded, um, and she thought that seemed very normal to her. Like, of course, they would want. She's as a little naive. <laughs> Um, she says that after she finished telling them the story, they immediately accused her of lying. Um, they also wanted her to like retell it over and over again, which I'm sure is like a strategy to get her to, I don't know, reveal something. Um, and this apparently went on for hours until like 10 o'clock that evening. <laughs> and I'm not sure that for most of it, she was even suspicious. She was just like, of course the police want to interrogate me in this room. That's normal. <laughs> I think it really wasn't until the very end where she was like, oh, I'm wait, what? It dawned on her after like six hours after hours of intake they were like going to get phone books to beat her with and she was like wait a minute i'm a suspect yeah etta has not watched a lot of police procedurals Mm -mm. so according to detective ryan etta seemed to know too much about the crime to not be involved he says that the investigating officers having no other leads or clues didn't have any other choice at the time but to presume that she was in fact an accessory either before or after the commission of the crime man it's logical it sort of is. I mean, there's really not any other evidence and she isn't connected to this woman at all, but you would be a, probably a bad detective if you didn't look into this. I'm not saying they should have arrested her, but it makes perfect sense that they would suspect her. Well, they, I mean, they threw her in jail for four days. I'm not sure if that was necessary. But... No, I'm saying that's not necessary. I, on what grounds? There's no evidence, really. She hasn't no. confessed to anything. She's, yeah, she's not connected to her. She doesn't have the knife or something. Right. Um, but I'm not surprised they were suspicious of her. I don't see any need to incarcerate her. No. <laughs> that seems a little much. It seemed like a flight risk. I don't know. She yes. did agree to take two polygraph exams and she passed them, but she did not know that because the detectives lied to her and told her that she failed both of them and then they threw her in prison or jail. Wow. Yeah. Why did this guy agree to be part of this segment? I don't know. This is just telling you that if you cooperate with the police, they'll throw you in jail anyway. Even if you pass two polygraphs, they'll go. Well, those can't be used in court. So, um, we also would've... we're allowed to lie to you. So you actually failed these, and we're throwing you in the slammer. Like they would have absolutely used them to manipulate her if she had actually failed. But since they she passed, that was inconvenient for them. So they were just like, um, you throw her in jail anyway. You failed. 
We need to keep you locked up while you we look into this. Why? Yeah, where's she going to go? I don't know. This woman is so naive that she just talked to you for six hours. I don't know that she's really going to, like, flee to Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. I do not understand this. So she was sitting in jail for days, unaware of dramatic new developments that were happening outside of jail. Unbeknownst to her, the police had arrested two young men for the murder of Melanie Aribe. In the end, Etta was completely absolved. Uh, the reenactment is, I mean, both funny and infuriating because it's Detective Ryan coming to her cell and being like, uh, we made a mistake. We got the yes! killers. You could go. It <laughs> also- she's been in there for days. She's yeah, now traumatized from being in jail. Um. It also gives the impression that, like, they not only had leads of someone else, but they had, like, arrested some other people and waited for them to confess before even, like, going to get her out. Definitely. Like, even though they, it wasn't just like, oh, it might not be her. They had to wait until it was, like, 100% definite that it wasn't her. I don't, what grounds are they holding her on? I don't, I don't, I don't know, honestly. That's terrible. But it's very funny that this guy was like, ooh, I got to be on Unsolved Mysteries. It's like, yeah, looking like a total jackass. (laughs) He does not come off looking good. So, um, okay, so here, okay, I was looking up some, I was trying to figure out some more information on Unsolved.com. It says that she didn't have any previous psychic, this was a a new episode. This was a sudden onset of psychic abilities. Um, That's wild. she's, She's quoted as saying, I sometimes wonder what it was that transpired from this innocent person who was murdered and how her death somehow reached out and touched me. I think it's one of the mysteries in life that uh, that many things happen to us throughout our lives that are unexplainable. So I'm not sure that she had any other psychic episodes before or after. That's wild. I was wanting to f- know how they caught these two people. So I'm looking on Unsolved, Unsolved Mysteries Wiki. Um, shortly after Etta was charged with Melanie's murder, a police informant said that he had heard one of the killers bragging about the murder in his neighborhood. Uh. This man was arrested and confessed, implicating two more young men in the crime, and Etta was released on December 21st. Louis Carnell Morgan, 20, an unnamed 17-year-old, and Spencer Nelson, 21, were taken into custody. The trio had jumped into Miss Uribe's truck at a stoplight and driven her into the canyon 15 miles north before robbing her, raping her, and beating her to death while she begged for her life. Uh. (sighs) The cause of death was blunt force trauma, being hit over the head with a large rock. The killers were convicted and are serving prison sentences. Wow. So yeah. Uh and it says, yeah, shortly after she was charged with Melanie's murder, yet she sat in jail for like I think four days. This is really just a lesson. Do not talk to the police without a lawyer. If you if you have a psychic vision that tells you where to find someone's dead body, anonymous go, tip. Anonymous tip. Anonymous do not tip. walk into the police station. Certainly do not go to the scene of the crime because if you find the body, you're gonna be the one that's suspected immediately. Send yeah, it in crime true. stoppers. I don't know what you have to do, but <laughs> Or contact a lawyer, pay the whatever an hour to be like, you need to make this anonymous tip for me. So this never gets back to me. Like, yes. I don't want to spend four days in jail. Like, imagine having to explain it. Honestly, what if they had never, I mean, they were going to probably prosecute her. I mean, yeah. it seems like they were. Yeah. So if, if this person had never confessed, they, it seems like there was no other evidence. The only thing they went off of was this informant. So... It's lucky I mean, for her that they're not good at their jobs. Clearly, I, oof, not a surprise, but very infuriating. I yeah. think it's the 
the guy we can't believe came on this show that I named his mustache cops vacation souvenir caricature <laughs> because a big mustache because it just is such a ridiculous cop like cop mu- it couldn't be anything other than a cop mustache it kind of seems like a joke like really you had to have that mustache is it like we get it you're a cop you have a badge you don't need to have that mustache okay so this is our third and final segment of this episode that is also about psychic activity um <laughs> this is what robert stack says even for a professional psychic an unusual occupation in itself the man you are about to meet is unusual james von prague claims that he can contact james von prague. <laughs> I'm, that has to be a fake name by the way claims that he can contact the spirits of the dead and convey the detailed messages for those he leave behind so we first go to Burbank, California in April 24th, 1994. It's the funeral services for Dud Raskin, who fell to his death, unfortunately, at age 33 while he was climbing Mount Fuji. His parents were obviously shocked by his sudden death and didn't know if they would be able to move on with their lives because, you know, this just came totally out of nowhere. A friend of theirs, who doesn't seem like a very good friend, recommended that they see James Von Prague. Despite being skeptics, they were desperate for comfort, and so they went and saw this psychic, which we have a reenactment of. Um, so reenactment James's mustache is named a heavy foreboding presence because <laughs> it is such a big mustache. It does seem like s- this mustache is bending space-time. It's huge. It's I, like yeah. There's a there's some gr- extra gravity around this mustache. It's so big. <laughs> I I assume it's fake, but it's just like it just takes up most of his. It's just gigantic. We will later see real James, and his mustache is named Belmont and Clark after the Boys Town neighborhood in Chicago, because just like that other guy's cop mustache is a cop mustache, James's mustache is a gay mustache. And it just is. <laughs> so they go and they see james and he says that he immediately apparently he immediately knew their son died in an accident it's like well these people aren't that old and they're there about their dead son so why are they coming to a psychic i mean yeah 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 he's he was 33 and he died it's gonna be that or cancer right like what else is there um he knew the names of family members who would pass on guess what they were all like john they were like very common names he knew the details of doug's funeral but again that stuff like there were pictures there there were flowers he saw the flowers it's they're like oh my god it's like he was there we get a like professional skeptic who describes cold reading to us which if you don't know cold reading is basically just like educated guesses that you make as you're speaking to someone um it's a technique that a lot of psychics employ as opposed to hot reading which is where you literally like have covert information like a hot reading would be like if you go to like i don't know name a psychic if you go to their like show and they have people planted in the like Right, line right. to come in that like ask you questions and then they are feeding you know what i mean like or they look you up online like now you could like obviously find people on social media and you have that info so that's hot reading this guy is accused of cold reading, which seems very clear that he's doing, um, where you're yeah, just like, just you like... make inferences. You also just kind of like, I mean, it's a it's a craft, right? You just like know things like, you know, common male names that start with K, for example. Um, it's just he's that just, sort of technique. He's just observant. He's reading people's body language and he's learned how to be good at guessing and sort of guide people towards, towards giving him more information than they're realizing. 
right? Like he's leading the conversation. He's asking yes or no questions. The, the things that he's wrong about, he obviously drops immediately. And the things that he's sort of right about, he keeps asking questions about until he's totally right. And then it's like, oh my God, he was right all along. It's like, yeah, well, that took him 20 questions, actually. <laughs> um, so anyway, they knew he knew that there was flowers at Doug's funeral. I'm sure you're all extremely... Wow, that <laughs> never happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're all extremely depressed. We hear from James himself, and he describes himself as a clairsentient and clairvoyant. Which yes, which means that he senses feelings and emotions from the spirit world. Is that a word, or did he just make that up? Is that I've a thing never, people I, claim to be other I than have, this guy, a clear sentient? I've never heard it before ever. I don't know if he made it up or some other fraudulent psychic made it up, but he used it. Um, Robert Stack tells us that the seance brought enormous comfort to Sue and Don, even though Van Prague's predictions were not 100% accurate. Van Prague. I can't with this guy's name. I swear it's not real. Okay. (laughs) They thought he had missed the mark when he had described photos taken at Mount Fuji because Doug's camera equipment had not been recovered. He said something specifically about how Doug liked the picture of him taken at the base of the mountain. And they were like, well, I don't know. We, you know, he fell to his death. We don't have that photo. But as it turned out, two months later, they got an envelope from Japan. His friends. Why would you be on a trip to Mount Fuji and not take photos of yourself at Mount Fuji? That's the thing. That's of course he took a photo of him before beginning this like epic. He traveled to the other side of the world. Of course, of course. you're gonna take a photo of yourself in front of Mount Fuji. That's what he was there to do. But um, but they were like, oh, at first, like, oh, I don't know, you know, he fell to his death. I assume his camera fell with him, right? Like they hadn't seen any of the photos he had taken on that trip. His friends of go back to the site of his death they find his camera and they develop that film and yes it did include a photo of him at the base of mount fuji but you sort of go of course it would why would he do that and not take any photos of it that would be odd it actually it would be uh, i would be more impressed by the prediction that he was like and he hated photography he took no photos there's actually no evidence any of this ever happened um so that then they then Don and Sue are extremely impressed because it turns out that everything that James von Prague said was true, except that everything he said was vague and predictable. Um, to find out if James is really psychic or just perceptive and good at guessing, Unsolved Mysteries invited 10 people to attend a seance held by von Prague. And I sort of am surprised that von Prague agreed to this because it doesn't look good at all each person he doesn't appear to be very good at what he does it's not even like good for cold reading like i wasn't impressed by his ability to just like read people he's doing a reading with a woman whose son died by suicide and he can't he doesn't even guess it he eventually gives up he can't get he he eventually goes oh well how did he die and she says by suicide and he goes i didn't get that at all this is on tv (laughs) yeah um, so each person came to the seance with a specific individual in mind that they wanted to contact. For six of the ten per- participants, he was able to correctly identify the person they were hoping to hear from. So that's half, really. <laughs> and that's, and I think in a lot of cases, it would be pretty obvious. It would be like, oh, you're not that old. You maybe want to contact your grandmother. You know what I mean? Like he right. could guess based on other clues who the people would want to be, and he only got it right half the time. In some cases, he was able to identify the cause of death, such as for Jackie McDonald, whose daughter was murdered in her own home, which he was able to describe in detail. I, 
I'm not quite sure exactly how he figured that out, but in other cases, he doesn't get it at all. Um, and I don't know that her murder is like... There's only so many... T- I mean, okay, so, I mean, maybe this is crude, but there's only so many, like, traumatic deaths. If you're right. talking about someone... I mean, we kind of touched on this. If you're talking about someone whose child has died, obviously, before their time, I mean, how many guesses are there? Car crash, which he guesses a lot and kind of doesn't. He misses on that one a couple times. <laughs> like, car uh... crash, murder, cancer. I mean when you're talking about kids dying before their parents, I don't know. I feel like you have a pretty good odds of getting it. James described his vision as quick moving, like a quick moving shadowy movie where certain details stand out. But for certain people, he drew a complete blank and we see him draw a complete blank and he's just sort of like, well, if it's not there, it's not there. Like their spirit's not here. So I can't communicate with you. Um, Which bummer. I mean, (laughs) Like, to some degree, I was like, well, it does seem to be helping people. It does seem to give these, like, the first couple, Sue and Dawn, like, they seem to get some closure from it. But for him to be like, literally, your son's spirit is standing right here, and this is what I'm seeing. I don't know. It's just like... I go back and forth on whether or not this is harmless or not. I mean, he's not doing the, like sylvia brown thing where he tells everybody their kids didn't commit suicide when they did but i don't know i don't know i feel like there's probably some consequences that people who've thought about it more could come up with i i suppose it depends like how much money he's bilking out of people like sure sure if it's a one-time thing and they get some closure that seems like pretty harmless but if he's like saying to like keep contacting him you know, over and over again for more and more money than obviously like that I would have more of a problem with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Unsolved Mysteries did send in uh, someone that was just there to investigate Von Prague, and he said he described him as a mentalist doing cold reading. And um, one of the examples was, yeah, he had guessed that their son's name started with a K, and then he asked if it was Kyle or Kevin, which, guess what, are the two most common male names that start with K at that time. But also, she's wearing his ring on a necklace that literally has a giant K and diamonds. (laughs) So that might have been where he got the letter K from. Yeah, you think? Bob was claiming that he couldn't see it. He definitely could. I mean, come on. Give me a break. He he literally goes, I'm seeing a huge letter K. Has some significance. What does K mean? Oh, that's his name? Is it Ken or Kevin? Which I love the, the professional skeptic because he goes... And he rightly asserts, he's like, to the person sitting there, they go, oh, he guessed his name. Or, like, he knows his name. But that's not true. He just yeah. he threw out two common K names and one happened to be Kevin. He wasn't saying his name was Kevin. He says, oh, is it Ken or Kevin? Not the same thing. Also, if it had been no, he might have said, did he know a Kevin? Right? Like, And then they would exactly. be like, oh, yeah, there was a Kevin at his school. Right? Like, there's always going to be something. His great-grandfather was named Kevin. Oh, he's we've, with him. We've talked about this before, but Samantha and I once did this online class that was supposed to be about <laughs> psychics, and then it just turned out to be this very fraudulent psychic who did a seance that she literally had contact with every spirit immediately. But we saw her do so many of these things that were just flat. And it was, she was not good at it. I don't know how she's managed to have this whole career of it, or maybe this one just really didn't go well. But she would really say things that were so vague, like, I'm getting an M. Does it, does it, does Anybody trying to contact someone with an M and literally everyone would be going, no. 
It really was. I don't know if it was the audience or if it was she's just not good over Zoom or what, but really she fell every flat single thing fell flat so until, many times. Until, until she just, finally she was like, Okay, I give up. Well, I'm gonna call on people. Who are you trying to contact today? And then she'd be like, Yep, they're here. What's your question? And it's just like Okay. Yeah, because just everything fell flat. We really see this guy asking questions like, was she in bed at one time? What do you think, mm, bitch? No, she never she never sat <laughs> sat in a bed in her entire life. She actually <laughs> slept on the floor. She hated beds. She was a bat and she hung from the ceiling. You are wrong. <laughs> like, what kind of fucking... Because he's like, well, was she bedridden? And the woman's like, no. So he has to switch it to like, but she did have a bed. <laughs> like, <laughs> she did sleep, right? Or he asks, he at one point goes, something about a marriage. Like, <laughs> if it's not, if they weren't married, I guess probably their parents were married or they went to a yeah. wedding or there's always going to be a thing. That's not impressive at all. No. And at one point he he was like, he does the whole thing of, oh, you're, you know, your dead husband wants you to be happy and remarried. And he's going to help you find the one. It turns out she's engaged, which I think is not really what he was implying. <laughs> right. He was just... Uh- <laughs> She took it to be like, oh my god, nobody knew except my fiancé and his parents we were getting married. And I, I was like, but he didn't say, like, you're engaged. He, he, just said, he was implying that she was single and was going to find someone and her dead husband was going to help. Which She was is, just telling her what she wanted to hear. which is Well, and not, that's what the skeptic says. He goes, what is this guy going to say? Oh, you're going to be sad and alone for the rest of your life? Like, no, he's <laughs> going to tell you what you want to hear. And most people are going to find someone else. So then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> The idea of this guy, yeah, he was like, is he just going to tell you you're going to die an old spinster? No, you'll be mad. Yeah, um, I don't think James Brock did a great job. Maybe people, you know, sought him out after this segment. I feel like it could is only he still hurt. a psychic out there? Should we Google Oh my him? god, yeah, I'll do it right now. Let's find out. Does James he have a really, like, early on website? Frog. He's described as American author. Yes. World-renowned psychic medium. He still has a mustache. It's not quite as um, bold as his old mustache. Now he's gone gray. Join world-renowned psychic medium James Bonk Prague and his community of thousands of like-minded people. Only thousands? He's like holding some um, yoga prayer beads in his photo, which I am not loving. Okay. He's hailed throughout the world as a pioneer of mediumship movement and considered one of the most recognized and accurate spiritual mediums working today i guess this didn't hold him back at all which is shocking to me um you could like take classes from him oh he'll do spirit animal readings oh okay he is recognized annually at the watkins list of 100 most spiritually influential living people yeah i've definitely heard of that list whoa whoa you can go through psychic certification with him. He's written best-selling books, including Talking to Heaven, Reaching Heaven, Healing Grief, Ghosts Among Us, blah, blah, blah. And there's, like, pictures of him with some minorly famous people. Oh, his school is called School of Mystical Arts. Okay, okay. You can get a professional certification through audio and video courses. Well, in our opinion, based on our opinions, we believe that he's cold reading and bullshit. Yeah, I I, um, would not seek out this guy personally. 
that I would not recommend that you do, but obviously it's your life and your money. Um, oh, we could have him. We could book him for a live event. Hmm. Something <laughs> tells me he might turn that down. <laughs> for, our, for our extremely pot. Oh, there's a blog. I mean, this is probably like a whole wealth of... I like that all these pictures are like him on the beach. There's three levels of mediumship certification. Uh-huh. Do you think you learn how to cold read? <laughs> I mean, oh my what, God. Be, what would he be teaching? I don't understand. What if at the last level, it is just like, this is a fucking scam. Here's how to do it. <laughs> it's like Scientology, only when you go clear, you learn that it's just a scam. Yeah, there used to be this, this scam in the newspaper all the time that would be like, make money working from home, sending out letters. And it was just like, if you signed up for that, it was just a way to, to tell you how to also place an ad and get people to sign. Like, it was just a self-perpetuating. <laughs> That's, That's very funny. Okay, well, that's the story of James von Prague, everyone. I still don't know if that's his real name. Um, let's rate this episode. All right. So mysteriousness is our first category. Okay, I really don't feel like it's very mysterious. I Except- don't think we thought any of these were real. So I think the we have most- to give the most mysterious is yours. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. How or why that woman just knew where that nurse's body was. It doesn't seem like she was connected. It's not something she regularly claims. She doesn't she seem as genuine. I she's mean, not like trying to make money off of it or anything. Maybe she really did tap into some energy of like, you know, knows? her violent death. I, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not that much of a skeptic that I couldn't entertain that thought. I mean, she does seem genuine. So. Or she just, for whatever reason, had a really lucky guess, and it turned out it was right. I'd, like yeah. that one's the most mysterious. But overall, I'm going to say that's also the shortest segment. So I'm yeah, going to say overall, it's not thumbs down. Thumbs down. Reenactments. I'm, okay, they were bad. They were bad. <laughs> they were really bad. And not almost, and not bad enough to be like funny. They just I also don't understand bad. why there was a reenactment in your last mystery when they have the real guy doing a real seance. Like, why do we have to reenact a fake seance with a fake guy? Based on the transcripts, that's I a really good question. Don't I, don't under- I don't understand. They had the real James Van Prog, but then they also had a fake James Van Prog, <laughs> just as like a backup. And they're like. Yes. Pull out our most ridiculous mustache and sit, stick it on this actor. Um, I yeah, I don't know. So I'm gonna say thumbs down for that as well. Thumbs down. Fashion. Thumbs down. Nothing remarkable at all. No, there was there was not very. Unless great you like really big mustaches, then I guess you'll like this. But in general, I'm gonna say thumbs down. I wasn't impressed. Thumbs down. Who's the uh, who's the as James Von Prager MVM? I mean, yeah, I'm gonna go with the Belmont and Clark. It's memorable. It's a or, memorable mustache. And it's not just a cop mustache, which is what we got otherwise. Yeah. Or, well, okay, but do you prefer James's real mustache or the fake James mustache, the heavy and foreboding presence? I mean, that's a hard one. I kind of <laughs> feel like we should give it to the heavy and foreboding I presence. because agree. it's Even if it is a fake mustache, it's not on the face of a fraud. Yeah, and it's also funny. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's like, it's almost like they just drew it on with a marker. Yeah. <laughs> so that's who I will give most valuable mustache to the heavy and foreboding presence. All right. Um, Robert, Robert Stack. Stack. Was he been even a- in it? I mean, no, thumbs down. Barely at the beginning he was, but. I think he hates these type of segments and wanted nothing to do with this. Probably true. <laughs> uh, he was barely in it. I would have been great if he had gone to James Van Prague. Oh, he could have done a reading of Robert Stack. That'd yeah. He should have tried to cold read Robert Stack about 
I don't. Do you know. think if we booked James von Prague, he could connect with Robert Stack <gasps> and should ask we... him what he thinks of our podcast? <laughs> should we try to get him on the? Sh- I see. The thing is, he's going to be like, yeah, for five grand. Like, he's not just going to no, come I'm, on the I podcast. I don't think he can afford it. Also, what if he listens to this episode where we are making fun of him the entire time? <laughs> uh, hi, James. <laughs> <laughs> Let's definitely not call this episode anything that he might Google or have a like good, Google good alert idea. for because I don't want him to hear it ever. And these are just our opinions. Also, he could be 100% legit. How would I know? I, yeah, I, I never met the, never met the man. Um. So that is. Oh, so what are we rating it out of five rubber stacks? Hmm. I mean, I did like it. It is different. It's different. It's not tragic. Uh, I did enjoy um, laughing at the f- things that seemed really fake. There's yeah. there's a little bit of tragedy with the murders and people's dead relatives and stuff, but it's not overly sad. Uh, I'm going to say 3.5. I was, so I was going to go with 3.5. It's slightly better than average, but not yeah. amazing. I, I wish we got four mysteries because it felt a little short. And I would have loved if there was somehow like a psychic ghosty one. We didn't actually see any ghosts in this. And I would have liked that. Yeah. That would have pushed it over to the four range. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So for now we're in the recommendation portion of the show. I hope you have a recommendation. <laughs> okay. I'll do one real quick, which I already talked to you a little bit about, but I just watched the Hulu documentary series on Victoria's Secret called. Oh, yeah. Victoria's Secret, colon, Angels and Demons. Which... <laughs> Which <laughs> did they have to call it that? Is that the only option? It's such a bad title that I, I... I saw people on Twitter talking about the Victoria's Secret doc, and I was like, oh, that's something I would be interested in. But then when I actually looked up what it was called, I was like, what? This can't be good. <laughs> <laughs> Do I really want to watch something called Victoria's Secret, Angels and Demons? Mm, but fortunately, I don't value my time. So I found this to be a very interesting series. It's about yeah the sort of rise and fall specifically of Victoria's Secret, which was um, run by Les Wexner, who I didn't realize owned like every mall store at one period of time. <laughs> like his his you know conglomerate L Brands was like the Express, the Limited, Abercrombie and mm. Fitch, Bath and Body Works. On oh, he's had a bad year as far as documentaries being made about his stores. Yes, yes, and, and their various of, scandals. Well, part of that is because he was very closely connected to Jeffrey Epstein. Where oh, there it is, Jeffrey Epstein actually he gave him power of attorney for reasons no one can quite oh. figure out. <laughs> He used to literally live in his guest house. Mm. Um, he told women that he was a recruiter for Victoria's Secret models, which I don't hey. think he technically was, but he was like using that association to abuse women. Um, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. So I I found this series interesting, but it's three episodes and I feel like the format of it does not do it service i would have preferred if they had made one like two hour thing mm. or if they had everything made... has to be episodic i wonder why that is just to get you to watch more i, I guess. guess but it means that they end up having to repeat themselves a little bit yeah where it's like yeah i know he knows jeffrey epstein we covered that 20 minutes ago it just happened to be a different episode like, i'm watching these <laughs> in the same night i don't know why you think <laughs> right um So 
So I would have preferred if they could have put it all together or had it been two, two episodes, because I think there's two stories here. There is the story of Victoria's Secret as a brand, which she, when I was a teenager was huge. Was oh, like, same. That's like where we shopped. Every teenage girl shopped at Victoria's Secret and you you carried around that little pink bag. You would like bring yep. your other stuff to school in it. And what, you know, people got perfume there. It was like a whole thing and a whole experience. And I think there is, that's actually kind of what I was more interested in originally was the sort of rise and fall of just that brand and concept and how like he really understood how to sell things to women and malls, but didn't really adapt for like the social media era. Right. So then that mm-hmm. sort of all crumbled. So I think that's one story and you hear from like models and former executives and um, people about like, how the business used to really cater to women and then over time became more and more about male fantasy and sort of lost touch with its customer and couldn't keep up with the times right Right. to the point where it's like i'm never gonna look like giselle so (laughs) (laughs) that can't really be the goal of your products because that's that's not a possibility for me or basically anyone other than giselle um, so I think that's one story. But then you also have this sinister side of that, which is that this man and Jeffrey Epstein were very close for 20 years. Wow. And what does that entail, right? Like the plane that's referred to as the Lolita Express used to be owned by Victoria's Secret and he sold it to Jeffrey Epstein for like way below market value. Interesting. He, he sold Jeffrey Epstein a lot of property, right? Like he literally had power of eternity over his company. They have all sorts of business connections and other financial connections. So for this guy, Les Wexner, to be claiming, oh, I had no idea what Jeffrey Epstein was up to. It's like, it seems like you spent all of your time with him for 20 years. So that seems pretty unlikely. And I think that is almost a separate story than they stopped making bras that actually fit women. Right. <laughs> Which is like a, a, a the more retail end of it is like, yeah. you know, they became like an unpo- like it used to be if you wanted to buy underwear, you basically had to go to Kmart or Victoria's Secret. You didn't have a oh, yeah, you had to there. rummage through those bins <laughs> <laughs> right in the entrance of the Victoria's Secret in the middle of the mall. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes, but that's just like how you got underwear. There really was not. And, and that's why the, the business was so successful, right? Like he saw that women need underwear and they right. don't they really have that to just go to target and get a hanes 10 pack right which didn't week on them didn't fit very well and would fall apart in the wash and nobody really liked them so there was this like hole in the market if you want to talk about it in that capitalist way that women did need to buy underwear and no one was really selling them underwear so there is that like business side but then there's also this like is you know essentially because i went to victoria's secret as a teenager and bought slips that money got channeled to fucking Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> wild. Because wild. he was getting, they estimate, like $400 million from that conglomerate over the years for his, like, advice and, you know, whatever. Yeah. So they break that down. There's a lot of talk from, like, investigative journalists. You hear a lot from... um former models and a lot of the executives in that in Victoria's Secret were female except for of course the very top right and that's where the abuse factor (laughs) comes in um but you hear a lot from the female executives about how like at first you know they were really involved in the company and like the direction it was going and then like how they slowly kind of get pushed out as they wanted to just be like supermodels walking around in 
huge heels and giant wings and all these like unattainable things. So I found it really interesting and it's just not organized the way that I would have preferred. And I still have, there's that other documentary about yeah, I watched that one, the Abercrombie yeah. one. How was that? So I did like it. I feel like this Victoria's Secret one might be more interesting only because I didn't particularly find anything in the Abercrombie documentary surprising. Like, mm. yes, there's horrible scandals, but they're kind of like, not surprising scandal it's like they you know they didn't want people of color to be in the front of house <laughs> so they would like okay. change their hours so they only worked nights and then there was a lawsuit and like you know it's, it's kind of like yeah like nothing that none of the revelations were anything that i didn't see coming i don't know if it seems like victoria's secret was maybe like his favorite of his companies it's like the first one that really took off for him before he expanded yeah. Or maybe the limited was, but like kind of he started those at the same time. And I know, you know, it's been a while since I watched this documentary. Now I'm getting self conscious that it was mentioned and I don't remember for some reason because I but it wasn't as... it in one night. But it was it didn't stick with me as like right. a main. I just remember coming away from that documentary being like, I enjoyed this. It's funny because I like I feel like there's a lot of things that they said about it that were relatable. Like yes, I remember in our okay in our hometown because we didn't have an Abercrombie. We had a Hollister, but it's the same store. Like in our mall had a Hollister. It's like, you know, people were talking about the headaches that they would get going into that <laughs> store, right? Because the perfume was yes. so strong and like it was they literally music. pumped it out. Yeah. I yeah, couldn't yeah. shop in that store because no. it would give me a migraine. <laughs> like literally I couldn't walk through the door and you could smell it like down the hall at the mall. And so like there was funny things like that. You know, they talked about like the kind of clientele they were like wanting to to go for which was like a very particular like you know jock or whatever and they were sort of ahead of you know they put naked people on their bags and stuff like you know like it's i don't know i i i liked the documentary it's worth watching it'd be interesting to compare the two um because i do feel like i came away from it thinking like yeah that's bad but like i assumed they were bad like i and i would have guessed that they were bad in all these ways like it does not surprise me that they were racist it does not surprise me that they were sexist it does not surprise me that they only wanted chiseled beautiful men there was like i it it did not surprise me you know really at all but it was still an interesting documentary i do recommend it and it is funny to me that both those documentaries kind of came out (laughs) at the same yeah bad time for that guy so uh, he has apparently stepped down from being CEO. I think the only companies that are left in his conglomerate were Victoria's Secret and Bath and Body Works. I think everything else has cl- since closed. Um, but I'm sure he still makes money off of those things, even though he's not literally the CEO anymore. Yeah. I guess I should publicly apologize to the young man that was standing outside of an Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. 20 years ago, there was a young man with no shirt and a Santa hat Uh standing outside of an Abercrombie and Fitch. And yeah, probably like 2002. And uh, this was at Woodfield Mall, I believe. And me and my friend came around the corner and we just saw this guy trying to look hunky in his Santa hat. (laughs) And I'm not sure I've ever laughed so hard in my life. Like I, I almost fell down <laughs> and that, you know, that was just a job for him and I'm sorry. It, it's just the, like the, the, the brand imaging was so ridiculous. And- it was ridiculous then. And looking back on it, I feel like it's even more ridiculous. And I, you know, you probably don't want two women basically pointing and laughing at you in the mall. <laughs> and I, it, 
you know, it's not, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to that teenage boy, wherever you are. I, you know, you, you, you didn't eat all those carbs and look what it got you, but it's not your fault. It's Les Waxner's fault. It's just a creepy, creepy imaging for that company. Something funny. Um, <laughs> actually, no. Okay. So I'm remembering the documentary and there is definitely some sexual abuse uh, mentioned, which maybe I just thought was not surprising. Um, it's really not. It see, it just seemed creepy, right? Like, I mean, it does. The whole thing seems creepy. Um, but they, for the documentary, they get like some of the models that were on like the bags, uh-huh. um, and they have them in the documentary, and it's really, I don't know. It's just they're very, it's very funny to see them like all grown up and like talking about their experience, and some of them will like guy. be the same pose that they did on the, <laughs> on the bag. For okay, the I have, I have to watch this. I have yeah. to watch this. I was once on Michigan Avenue in Chicago and, um, you know, just like waiting for a light to change. And these two guys were pointing at a different Abercrombie and Fitch bag and they were like, we're from Ireland. Can you explain to us why this clothing company doesn't show any They don't clothes? wear clothes. That is mentioned in the documentary. Like, And I was like, I was like, your guess is as good as mine, pal. Like, I no, just because I'm an American doesn't mean I don't. They're not wearing clothes. Like, it's a clothing <laughs> brand. It's so weird. And I was like, yeah, it is fucking bizarre. And I hate it. But I don't, like, I don't know what to tell you. Welcome to or the like, U.S. <laughs> why, when you walk into the store, it seems like the sales associates don't want to help you with anything. And don't like, want you to be there. Thing. Yeah, they were, like, supposed to be mean to you. They were something, cool. Something they talked about was that for the Victoria's Secret stores, like originally, they were supposed to be this such a like feminine space that men, like part of the plan was that men would be uncomfortable to go in there. And I was like, that they was accomplished a- that. I was like, that was effective. You did. You did. I think it, it was interesting to see like how they got so much stuff right at the beginning. And then just it's like because of their own like creepy predilections or whatever, like couldn't keep that going. Yeah, and I think yeah, for- now that I'm remembering the like head guy, yeah, he had some there yeah some issues with him. Yeah, yeah he yeah, seems yeah. very creepy. And well, if you're friends with Jeff- Jeffrey Epstein for 20 years, you're probably pretty creepy. So, um, yeah, I think it's worth a watch. I don't give it like I don't not give it a five out of five rubber stacks. I think it could have been organized. The information could have been organized better. But as someone as a former customer that went there a lot, it was interesting to to see like this is the downfall of the thing and also you are not the only person that was that was like yeah I, i'm done with this <laughs> i'm not coming here anymore the the victoria's secret documentary might be more interesting to me in that way because yeah i wasn't really i mean i didn't shop at abercrombie or hollister right. I mean, when i one i couldn't walk through the door without fainting from the <laughs> fragrance but two like i don't know it's just like, that way it about- not my style right like i wasn't cool i was not gonna be walking in there to like buy clothes that it don't fit well, me from, in a like, way high school bullies right exactly yeah it was a store for high school bullies it was it had such a specific clientele that it was like well you're either part of this or you're not and it's like well it's very clear i'm not like this is a yeah. store for bullies <laughs> i i can't go into a bath and body works for the same reason it's just too fragrant is, yeah it's the just scent is all of them at once it's just like oh my god like i'm gonna fall over dead but clearly that works for them i know people are completely bonkers over their candles so I don't know that they're hurting, but interesting. Weird, yeah. weird choices. Weird yeah. choices going on over there. At the mall. At the mall, which are, you know, they're all dying. But uh, come to the Mall of America. It has like 12 Victoria's Secrets. 
every time a store closes, it just becomes another Victoria's Secret. I feel like. It's true. <laughs> Come to the land of 12 Victoria's Secrets. And you can go, I don't want this. <laughs> These used to be better made, you'll say. That's me. Be like, remember when you used to make stuff out of silk? And then the like 17-year-old working there will be like, no. <laughs> no, I absolutely do not remember that. Okay. Buy some sweatpants with pink written across the butt. That was a moment that a lot of the female executives were like, I'm out, is when they started pink. Putting words with- on the butt? <laughs> oh, pink. Yeah, because it was specifically a junior's brand, but it was still like very sexualized. Like they still did the fashion shows and stuff. And the female executives were like, what the fuck is this? Is this underwear for children that's sexy? (laughs) Like, (laughs) what are you doing? And so that's like when a bunch of them quit. Anyway, it was that was interesting to me. Um, we have come to the end of our program. Please sign up for our Patreon, follow us on social media. Do all those good things. Leave us a five-star review. The only type we accept. Download Repod and isolate <laughs> clips of us making weird noises. Find, make a clip of us talking like this. Yeah. Uh, we have a website, perhapsinstitute.com. You should send us your spooky story. If you've seen a ghost or a, a force that's darker than the darkness, email us. It's perhaps to podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we want to hear about it. Okay. I think that's it. I have to go watch this Abercrombie and Fitch documentary now, so goodbye. (laughs) Bye.